Hi, this is Charlie Deach with the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm not doing the whole show alone today because I apparently am getting tongue-tied and a little twisted up. Um, today on our show, we have my partner in business, and it seems like my partner in life as much time as we spend together at this point, um, Bethany Rue, associate publisher of the Pittsburgh Current, and special effects genius slash guru and neighbor to the current, Steve Tolan. Just a little bit of background, I guess, or a little wrap-up, roundup of, on what you can find at pittsburghcurrent.com before we get started today. We have um, kind of breaking news um, that we published late last night it involves the future of the silkscreen film festival. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Silkscreen is a film festival, one of the few, certainly the only one in this region and one of the few in the country that celebrates uh, film from... Uh, uh, Asian Asian film from um, different different directors and stuff from around the world. Um, however, the festival ended this past Sunday, and by Tuesday the business had um, shut down, uh, decided to cease operations. And this comes, they say it's for uh, the official statement is just for financial reasons. However, it came um, it came amid some very serious uh, allegations of sexual harassment and workplace harassment uh, by the executive director of the, of the, of silkscreen. Uh, so we have that on pittsburghcurrent.com. Uh, we talked to some former employees and we have the, uh, we talked to mayor Bill Peduto, who was an advisory board member uh, of silkscreen. And um, once he found out what was going on right before the festival, he actually boycotted their, their major event, their gala that opened the uh, that opened the film festival. So you would definitely check out that story on PittsburghCurrent.com. Uh, in other news, I want to thank since we're here at Sorgatron Media, uh, I want to thank uh, uh, the Sorgs for inviting us to Pittsburgh PodCon this past weekend. We were there uh, in at Spirit in Lawrenceville. It was a great time, and I think a lot of people. Um, Really enjoyed it. It was it was a really great event. I, I I think a lot of us didn't know what to expect, but it uh, it was a lot of fun. We got to meet a lot of great people, a lot of people who were um, also in podcasting, and so it was just it was a really great event. And uh, I got to finally be on the Wrestling Mayhem uh, uh, podcast, which was uh, been one of my long lifelong dreams. Um, and hopefully, I'll be invited back. Um, and. Um, with that, I'm going to throw it over to my partner, uh, Bethany Rue. Um, being a Beachview native, um, Bethany is uh, definitely, uh, she's the person to know on all things Beachview, which means she has known uh, the Tolans for some time. And so mm -hmm. we're going to turn it over to Bethany to uh, take the show from here. Thank you, Charlie. Um, and I should say, I've known of the Tolans for a long time. Excuse me. And I'm very excited to have Steve here with me today. Hi, Steve. Oh, Thank uh, you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, uh, well, thank you for kind of agreeing to come on. Yeah. Um, so for those of you guys that might not know, Steve Tolan is the owner, proprietor, and uh, head genius in charge of Tolan FX, which is a uh, special effects shop um, that is located right next to us. And it's, it's more than special effects, um, as anybody that walks past your building knows. <laughs> you guys yeah, have some crazy sure. things going on. So why don't you, uh, you tell our audience a little bit more about you and, and what you guys do over there? 
Uh, yeah, so we obviously we do special effects for film and television and theater, and mm -hmm. uh, and we have uh, grown into doing some museum work. But we also do private commission. Really, what we're doing is custom design and fabrication. You know, which applies to anybody's creative endeavor uh, that needs some kind of focused attention on a portion of it that we can make awesome for them. Whether it is a cell phone case for their mom, or um, a monster for your movie, or blood effects for your theater show, uh, whatever it is, if you have some sort of creative challenge that you can't overcome, I am definitely ready to put my head against it. And, uh, you know, we're even entering uh, sort of invention territory and helping people realize any kind of uh, creative idea that they might have. I think that that is uh, one of the greatest powers that we have as human beings is the ability to take an idea and turn it into a real thing. And uh, that's really what drives me is, is creating things that I've never created before, whether it's for, for a movie or whether it's just for somebody that I just met. So it's like problem solving at like a super awesome creative level. Yeah, coming from all kinds of different angles. You know, we're, we uh, really lean on a lot of technology. We have a lot of 3D printers and uh, CNC routing kind of capabilities, but we also uh, sculpt, you know, characters mm -hmm. and props out of clay. You know, so we're sticks and dirt and we're laser beams and 3D printers. I did not know you had a 3D printer. Like say if you Multiple. had... Say if you had a neighbor that was like a media publication and one of them wanted to have something 3D printed. like would the, We would be the people to call. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And, okay. we can, and we're not just doing the 3D printing. So you, again, you could have like a flat vector artwork and you could say, hey, I would like to see this in the third dimension. And we can do all the computer work that takes uh, that idea and, and brings it out as a 3D print. And a 3D print, you know, everybody thinks about 3D printing as um, sort of the replicator on Star Trek. And it's not mm -hmm. like that. It's what you get is a raw piece. Mm -hmm. um, that requires some finish work and, and those kind of things. We're always trying to achieve higher resolution. We just got a, a printer yesterday called the Milkshake, which is an SLA printer, like an emulsion type printer. It's, uh, That's hilarious. yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's got a really big bed so we can do high volume production, but, um, but the resolution is really fine. So the finish work is, uh, really reduced, but it's still there. Like it's not, the computer is not an artist, mm -hmm. you know, it requires an artist to utilize that tool the same as a fan brush or the canvas or anything like that. So like your average person could just walk up and fiddle with it and print out something, you know, super amazing. Yeah, I mean, so you, you could come up the, and press the button. You still have human artistry behind it. To, well, yeah, I mean, I could press a button. Yeah, I'm, anyone could run the print. That part is easy. Anyone could put the filament in and because and, basically most uh, 3D printers are like a hot glue gun. It's basically just a computer-controlled hot glue gun. Um, and, uh, you know, if you were focused in a machine, you could conceivably make a coffee cup with a hot glue gun. You know, but if you give that control to a computer, you know, now it just takes the human element out of that part of it. But it's still an artist to design what that cup is going to look like okay. and do the finish work on it once it comes out. Because there's even just resolution lines or something like that, you know, uh, not to mention if you want to do cosmetic decoration to it or something like mm -hmm. that. You have to, you know, it's a full process. It's not just all you're doing is creating the 3D asset with a printer. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Steve, what's, I'm sorry, Steve, what's one of the, what's one of the strangest things that you've ever anyone's ever asked you to make? Is there anything that they've asked you to make yeah. 3D wise? That's just, I don't know, either funny or maybe disturbing. Illegal. illegal. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. Great? yeah. I mean, we've made all kinds of stuff. Um, some of it, it has been illegal. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, that was on me and that wasn't really for, I mean, it was technically for somebody, but the illegal act was on me. But anyway, <laughs> wow. Um, We're not but a I would say if I thought about the strangest thing, there was, uh, there was a CMU, uh, play that was put on where they want, it was a production of Lord of the Flies. Mm -hmm. Um, and they wanted the pig to be made out of sex dolls. 
So we made a prop pig that was 100% made out of different parts of sex dolls that um, like blow up dolls Yeah. Um, that then was stuffed and we had made all this silk intestines and it was really neat. It was all very abstracted and like, but that was a very bizarre request. I, was, I haven't seen that one hanging in your workshop, Steve. What no, no. I think it was so coveted that we didn't get it back and it was covered in stage. Oh, well. I see you people kept the sex dolls. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also do want to point out that people can ask questions live. Uh, Mike oh, sure. Sorg here at Sorgatron Media will moderate if anybody does have a question for Steve or me or Charlie. Um, so feel free to ask those on Facebook Live. And I do also want to point out, uh, follow us and Steve on social media. We're just oh, we're yeah. Pittsburgh Current on all of our mm -hmm. channels, and he's Tolan FX on all of his. Um, so I do have to point out that you know, just somebody that does walk past your shop every day. You know, I know you guys do a lot of special effects work too. I mean, that's, you know, for different movies and films. And, um, you know, I, I was just recently at a PTA event with Steve where he had a table full of severed limbs that the children <laughs> yeah. were just going nuts over. <laughs> it's important to give back. Yeah, it, is. it is. It is. They were touching them. And yeah, that was it. They, it's hard for me if somebody says, hey, will you come show the little kids all the monsters and severed heads and stuff? Yeah. And nothing is really off limits except for, you know, sexual innuendo. Yeah. Then yeah, well. and I can bring severed heads and stuff. I'll show up. Well, they had us there with the current. And I was like, please don't look at the spearmint rhino ad and do not read Dan Savage. This is for your parents stay in school so, um, yeah so no it was it was great to see you there and um but you know could we talk for a little bit about you know because unless you live in a hole um it is the 50th anniversary of night of the living dead there's a lot of stuff going on across the city also steve just told me 40th anniversary of dawn of the dead um so let's talk a little bit about that special effects aspect the the main question i have for you is at what point in your life were you like i want to make it look like people have just been gruesomely murdered um, I think that part is just like common to most adolescent boys, <laughs> you know, and um, and I think that the outlet for me in terms of bringing it out creatively, um, you know, for a long time, I'm from West Virginia and f I've told this story before, but for a long time, they did not tell me that I could be an artist. You know, mm -hmm. I was told, oh, that's really cool, but put that away. It's math time. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize that being a professional artist was an option. And then uh, to West Virginia's credit, uh, they had a... a West Virginia Governor School for the Arts that was for sophomores in high school that was all expenses paid that was a three-week intensive study in your field so if you uh, it was music and dance and visual art and if you were uh, able to go through a portfolio review process and you were selected uh, I think it was like 75 students out of all those different mm -hmm. disciplines were chosen out of a bunch of thousands of kids you would go and when I went to this thing it just completely changed my mind. Not only did they tell me that I could be an artist, but they showed me all these different ways that that could come to fruition. Um, and while I was there, special effects kind of came up and it hadn't ever, you know, when, when I would watch movies, I was transported into the movie. I wasn't mm -hmm. thinking about who made the movie or about the camera angles or any of that kind of crap. I was watching the story. I was totally engrossed in the story. So, uh, you know, at the same time I'm being introduced to visual art as a career, I am uh, understanding the fourth wall and the idea that people are making these movies and mm -hmm. that that is one of the outlets that I could could uh, utilize. And I had I was going to be a biologist up to that point. I was going to be a biologist like my old man. And um, and I love animals. I love nature. And I think that uh, we're all part of a bigger picture in regards to the ecology that mm -hmm. we're a part of. Anyway, so. Uh, when that applies to art, really what that had me doing uh, as a as a little kid was training my art skills through uh, drawing animals, sculpting animals. You know, it was always expressed through animals in some way. Um, and so I was one of the few people who just jumped into a, 
uh, secondary education. I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, not really having any idea what was expected of a makeup effects artist mm -hmm. or uh, what a career in that field actually looked like. It sounded cool to me. It sounded like uh, I was basically going to be reverse engineering animals. You know, uh, I wanted to, I've always loved monster movies. That's my favorite kind of, that's my favorite genre. It's creature comedies, uh, you know, gremlins and Harry and the Hendersons. Those kind of movies are my, are my very favorite. And so when I think about making those kind of creatures and those kind of characters, that's what made me want to go to art school. And, uh, and when I was there, it just ended up being a perfect fit because it's all of the things that interest me combined. So it wasn't really like the blood and gore aspect of it. Um, it was really the, the humanity no, 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 behind yeah. the kind of monster kind of thing. Yeah, and even with the blood and gore, I mean, most of the time when I'm when I'm asked to do a job like that, I don't really care about the the trauma as much as it's it's almost like to me, if you can understand the anatomy of a vehicle well enough that you can show what it looks like after it just had a head-on collision, mm -hmm. you know what would happen to the water pump and what would happen to the engine based on like what it's made out of and where it is in the car and like what would happen to the belts. If you could sculpt what a car looks like after it's been destroyed, I think that that demonstrates a really high understanding of anatomy. And that's one of the things that really drives me about blood and gore stuff is really just about the anatomical study, right. you know, so that it's, and it's more than just that because there's also an artistic spin on it. So you're never going to, you've never seen anybody shot in the movies, how somebody actually gets shot. You've never seen anybody get stabbed, what that looks like. You've never, you know, like what we think it looks like is not what it looks like. You well, know? I mean, it's not like you can exactly get a, a case study going. Well, I mean, I kind of I mean, have. I, have I mean, I'm from West Virginia, and I have shot a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you that I have I have seen it happen, it, maybe not with human beings, but with a lot of animals. Mm -hmm. And it is not what you think. So what you're trying to do, though, storytelling, again, what yeah. we're trying to do is tell a story. We're not trying to – it's not an anatomical study on what happens when you cut somebody's throat. It's in this moment when this thing happens to this character, what do we want our audience to feel? Mm -hmm. You know, is it a moment where some villain has been finally killed? You know, like a Sweeney Todd kind of a thing? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Sweeney Todd is actually even a, a strange show because you're not sure how you're supposed to feel about that. You know, we're doing Sweeney Todd right now at uh, Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center. Mm -hmm. They're attacking this week. Mercedes and Devin are going up there every night and spraying blood all over the stage. When's opening night for that? Uh, October 5th. All right. So yeah, that's, that's Friday. That's Friday. So Friday, yeah. guys. All right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's October 5th. Check, double check Lincoln I'll Park. I'll Google so. it. I'll do the Googles. Yeah. That's Lincoln Park in Midland, PA. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, 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 Justin, the director of that show, has um, really an elevated idea of what he wants his show yeah. to be. So he brought us on. He has this awesome stage. I don't know where he got it, but it's got everything you would expect from a Sweeney Todd with the chair and all the stuff. Mm -hmm. It's super cool. Wow. Um, but, you know, with something like that with Sweeney Todd, that's great because you're on this emotional roller coaster the whole time. You don't mm -hmm. know whether you hate or love Sweeney Todd. You're re rooting for him and singing his songs at one point, you know, and then he kills the judge and suddenly you're, you're okay. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, anyone, <laughs> everybody knows Sweeney Todd. I mean, come on. Um, you know, but, but then, you know, but then, uh, you know, here goes another spoiler alert again. And I guess for people, cover any, anybody you who's been, yeah, cover your ears. Um, <laughs> is that, you know, Swinney dies at the end and now you feel horrible, you know, so the exact same special effect, literally we're putting the exact same special effect on the two different people. And as the audience, you feel completely different mm -hmm. about it, depending on how the whole thing is staged and the theatrics. Of well, it. So that brings up a good point. How deeply and how intertwined is, is the work that you and, and your team do with like the artistic director or the director? I mean, like how, how, uh, so you're not just coming in and slapping these things on as like an add on. I mean, to what extent are you involved in, you know, the, how embedded are you not just in the plays, but in the movies and even with your client work, like how deep do you have to go to be able to deliver like that? Sure. I mean, it's kind of up to them. I mean, 
I uh, produce a line of of rigs that create the illusion of people being shot or stabbed, this kind of thing, called Squib Effects. You can check us out on squibeffects.com. And yeah, I'm not sure. And so what those do is, is it creates those illusions safely. So we're using uh, air and uh, and batteries rather than explosives. Traditionally, mm -hmm. it's done with explosives. Um, and uh, and so what that allows us to do is just hand the thing off. So someone can go on our website and just buy this and use it in their play or their mm -hmm. movie or something like that. It comes with a bunch of instructions. And we do tech support and stuff like that. But sometimes what people want is the design aspect of it. They don't want to just buy something that we have off the shelf. They mm -hmm. want every moment in the show they want to explain to me the 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 emotional moment they're trying to create and then i'm bringing my piece of the puzzle to that but this is one of the things i love about movies and theater is that it's a collaborative artwork mm -hmm. you know if i just wanted to paint i'd paint in my basement i guess you know but Probably the collaboration the community yeah, and the, <laughs> so i got pretty good lighting in my basement i don't I know why my painting sucks so bad <laughs> Well, I worked out of my basement for 15 years. 15, the first 15 years of me doing this was not in a Was it in, in the a giant fancy palatial shop. place yeah. you have mm -hmm. now up the street? No, uh, I was in my basement for, for 15 of those years. And we so the lighting is actually pretty good. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, but my point is, is that, uh, you know, the collaboration of it and the community of it is part of what drives it for me. And so mm -hmm. one of the really fun moments there is in the interaction with like the costume designer, because you put one of these apparatuses on somebody um, and if, and if it was like Brecht, you would just see the thing, mm -hmm. you know, but so now it's the costume designer who's going to hide it for me. Um, so Sweeney Todd, it's all tight fitting Victorian and we're using the costume to help guide uh, part of the special effects. So they're, they are actually integral in what we're doing and not just that, but if you spray stage blood in the air mm -hmm. and you do not pump light from behind it towards the audience, backlight it. If you don't backlight it, it disappears. You can side light it. You can top light it. You can do anything you want, mm -hmm. and it will not show up. It'll just disappear. Um, if you watch any Quentin Tarantino movie, you will see that there is a special. I'm yeah. sure it's like a 1K <laughs> that is hidden off camera that when once the air once the blood goes airborne, it becomes this glorious thing. So um, just that moment alone, like I could bring my A game. Mm -hmm. The costume designer could bring their A game. And if you don't backlight it, you're not going to see it in the air. You'll only see it when it hits a canvas. So that's sort of you know, it becomes this whole dance, not just, so that's the director's challenge, right? Is that mm -hmm. he's got to tell me what he wants the blood to look like. I need to tell the costumer what I need from them to make that happen. But the director wants to talk to the costumer about what he needs creatively just from a costume standpoint. And the costumer is an artist too. And they're going to want to create the costumes that they feel are appropriate for the show. And then they want me to, to adjust my design to fit their design. And that back and forth and that collaboration is what it's so cool. You know, and it's so interesting, too, to hear you sort of explain this process, because I know as a consumer of theater and of movies, you know, it's it's not, you don't always stop to think, like, I wonder what went into that. You're just enjoying it, and you're in the moment. Oh, yeah. That's what you want people to do. I mean, you don't mm -hmm. want them to sit there and, and dissect how it happened. Yeah, unless they're in the movie business or whatever, and we, then they're yeah, like, oh, yeah. that was cool. I wonder how they did that. You <laughs> that know, was whatever. so backlit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's how we do, you know, because we, we constantly always have a movie sort of playing in the background, and Quentin is one of the, our big... Uh, go to is because you know I feel like he's and, and when you talk about Quentin Tarantino he is a director um, I don't know if his success is in backlighting it or in bringing artists together mm -hmm. who he doesn't put the reins on them you know because basically what you're talking about is Greg Nicotero mm -hmm. and KMB effects group those guys are the ones doing all of Quentin's stuff and so I'm sure I could totally see Greg saying yo guys you gotta backlight that blood or we're never gonna see it and Quentin saying, yeah, listen to the man. He knows what he's talking about, you know, in the, in the lighting designer. Or maybe it didn't even get that way because Quentin knows to hire a, a cinematographer who knows to backlight uh, airborne fluids. Yeah, I think at this point in his career, Quentin probably has some concept. 
what uh Steve, what's your favorite what's your favorite Tarantino movie either as a from as a movie as a whole or the best effects uh or effects that really impressed you? I would say the best movie as a whole, and I think probably just mostly because the impression it made on me as a kid was Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, but also uh technically it, it from a blood standpoint is really cool from for a reason you wouldn't really typically think about. Um, which is the reason that I think that their highest achievement uh, was Kill Bill, which is that to track all, like we don't shoot a movie chronologically. And even if a director goes out of the gate and the, and the AD department is hundred percent on board with shooting everything shot by shot chronologically, I'm here to tell you that does not happen because right. what happens is, and rightfully so you hit a, a point in the day where you hit some kind of snag where you didn't know that uh, something was, was going to do something that you didn't plan on. Um, even as simple as someone had to go to the bathroom at a, at a moment that you needed them on set, you know what I mean? So now while you're waiting for that person, what do you do? Do we all just stand there and wait or do you start making productive use of your time? And what can happen is making productive use of your time can either knock you off chronologically or spin you off in this totally different direction. Meaning that every movie is shot totally out of order, which means a scene mm. like Uma Thurman chopping up all those people in, yeah. uh, in, in that restaurant is unbelievable. Not just because every single one of those shots was given as individual due justice on screen, but also, you know, so that the moment where our arm gets severed is, was planned and looks beautiful. You right. know, I, I would love to be in the room here and Greg talk about how to design that stuff. Yeah. Um, but then once it has happened, that person you have to track. So now the next person is going to get chopped up. But the problem is you shot that two days ago and you needed to already know what the blood was going to look like on the floor from the persons who armed you just now chopped off. Wow. But you don't know what that's going to look like. You're going to guess and you're going to put that on the floor. And then on the day that you actually get that arm chopped off, you're going to do your best to try to create that and then hope that the audience can suspend their disbelief in between those minor variances like you know the water glass that's going up and down throughout the scene everyone yeah. talks about those kind of continuity errors when it comes to blood because you're not blood is like the a speck of it walking through it on the set you've got a set with on a tarantino set hundreds of people right. and you know you can't track any of that blood anywhere and if any of it gets moved you have to be able to tell where it went anyway i think that from a blood effect slinging yeah. standpoint that was their highest highest achievement i think a lot of people know that scene um so how long would it take, do you think, to, to shoot a scene like that? I mean, because we're talking about, Weeks. I mean, there were, yeah, right? I mean, it's so, like you said, each individual fight or, or, or dismemberment or whatever <laughs> right there is kind of done. Like yeah, that could take they, a, that could be like a day shoot or something or, or, or half a day shoot. Yeah, or you, you know, you would dedicate, you know, maybe there's two, uh, two special blood gags that you yeah. want to get in the, and you probably get those in the morning because you're multiple takes on the same gag. So that's the other thing too. Okay. okay so they're called, they're called gags. Yeah. A lot of times people will call it like a blood gag, like the illusion, like the, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, even as simple as, um, you know, uh, a lamp falling over sometimes will go to the special effects department cause they got to put the monofilament mm -hmm. and they'll call that okay. a gag, okay. you know, or, uh, somebody kicks through a door. They never actually kick through a door. Even if it's a breakaway, you usually have some kind of special effects assistance, either pulling on it or blowing on it with air or explosive, something like that. Um, and they would call that a gag too. So yeah, bl uh, blood gags are, are usually synonymous with uh, blood special effects. Oh. We call them blood FX, but that's mostly for the SEO when it comes to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> you are just, a, you are full of information. I mean, well, we're just it. talking as a yeah. gag. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so what, what are, I mean, obviously everybody knows like the Tarantinos and you know, the, the big names. Are there any maybe like lesser known people that you really admire and look up to that, that, that some, you know, that you would encourage people to check out if they wanted to sort of either learn more about it or just see some masters at work? I mean, is there anybody that stands out? Yeah. I mean, m most people really know most of the masters, but you know, when I, 
I, I say that now, having done this for 20 years, yeah. but I remember a day at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh where one of my uh, teachers, Dave Pence, wanted us to, because he, he could sniff the kids out who had no idea what they were doing at this school. They're like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. My mom could, could <laughs> write the check. Yeah. You know, I had to go to school and he knew. And so he's trying to find the ones to put his energy into is what it felt like to me. Um, so he'd go around and he'd say, tell me who uh, in your industry, because it was industrial design at the time. So a lot of people I was going to school with were toy designers or car designers. And that's one of the reasons that I'm so multidisciplined is that I'm coming from an industrial design background, not a special effects background. Um, but he said, tell us about, you know, one of the masters that, that you look up to and, and why you like their work. And I was like, oh no, I don't know anybody. I can't think of anybody. And, uh, so I, so I, I pontificated about something about how you can't, you don't want to be regurgitating other people's work. So you don't want to like, <laughs> you know, focus too much on what other people are doing. And I, I prefer to focus on my own stuff or whatever, some bullshit answer, you know, but, um, I don't know what I'm talking about. But even I, who like am really interested in this, didn't know any of the masters. So having said that, what I would say is some of the masters that I really admire that most people already know of, um, and this is, uh, largely represented actually by like a row of photographs in my office. Um, are people like uh, Da Vinci, obviously, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Stan Winston, mm -hmm. uh, Jim Henson. And these are all dead people, of course. Um, <laughs> Nobody alive is worth yeah. liking. Well, I'll get to that <laughs> list. Uh, Fred Rogers, um, August Wilson, George uh, Romero, obviously, mm -hmm. and all for the same reasons, which is, you know, um, people give me a hard time about this sometimes, but I feel like I keep going back to this to the idea of what am I doing? Like, what is the point of my life? And to me, it's to love the people that I love and to create the things that I can, you know, and that whole list of people that I just described are people who were interested in both of those things. Yeah. You know, uh, Stan Winston was one of the first people to create real employees with healthcare and that kind of thing yeah. in the special effects business. Nobody was asking him to do that. Nobody, everyone was working out of their garages, huffing spray paint all day, <laughs> you know, seriously, like the, it's like the safe. legit guys, like you talk, think about the thing. I mean, I think they had Botine in a corner. They certainly didn't have a spray booth for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and you know, so somebody like that completely changes an industry. You know, he is, he's one of the first people to ever ask a million dollars for a dinosaur. And that kind of elevated the whole industry. He and Rick Baker campaigned for an Oscar to exist in makeup effects at all. You know, so you're talking about people who created opportunity for the rest of us in a way that we never had seen it before. So like somebody like Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger, who are running KMB, mm -hmm. um, who have, uh, I don't know if they, Howard actually trained understand as far as I know. I don't know if they worked with Rick. I'm sure they did. I think all those guys worked together. But, um, you know, they're winning Oscars based on the groundwork that these other people laid in front of us. And when I look at their work, what I see is a higher level of achievement. And when I talk about living masters, obviously Rick Baker is the very top of that mm -hmm. list. Um, uh, Richard Taylor at Weta, I don't think it's his just desserts at all um, because he is, I think he is probably the modern master. I would put him definitely at the level of Rick Baker. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, uh, Steve Johnson is still kicking and, and he is a creative genius. He is somebody who, um, some people would uh, have are nervous about working with him sometimes, mm -hmm. just because. He, and he writes books about why, <laughs> you know, because because uh, you know I think that when you get a, a unique lens like that that you're looking at the world through, it changes the way you look at a lot of stuff. And um, and creative geniuses can sometimes be loose cannons, but if you look at his work, it is off the charts. No, I I couldn't help but notice as you did rattle off that very impressive list 
not a lot of ladies. <laughs> yeah, there's really, what, it's not what, fair. What is, yeah. what is it, well, I mean, in my, I'm sure it's indicative of a lot of things. Beth Hathaway. I mean, Beth Hathaway Beth is Hathaway. the is the mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. female in this industry that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the good fortune of working with her on The Haunting Hour. She probably doesn't remember me, mm-hmm. but um, I was just a kid, like in my early 20s, and K&B came to Pittsburgh. They had um, helped to campaign to bring The Haunting Hours to Pittsburgh, and they were doing all the makeup effects, and... For, I don't know how this happened because I was not even in the union, but I became the SFX, which is a different department, believe it or not. Uh, makeup effects and SFX are different. SFX are blowing stuff up, making it rain, making it snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and makeup effects are usually making monsters or gluing rubber onto people's mm-hmm. faces. And so they show up with this amazing monster. And I'm working literally side by side with the first day on set. Uh, was side by side with Greg while he while he brought in monster arm down that ripped a door off of a car that I had designed this rig to rip the door off the car. Um, and, uh, Beth was there for that whole thing. And she was this, as I see most women who are in this industry that I have, that I have witnessed who are, who are awesome at what they're doing are the, always the people who are like really focused on what they're doing Mm -hmm. and are really zeroed in on their job and are, you know, not the ones goofing off like yeah. all the time on set and whatever. They're like doing their job and they're serious about it. And, well, and I'm I, lucky to have some of those in my shop too. Well, yeah, I know. I, I've seen a lot of female representation come in, in and out of, of your shop um, by proximity. I'm your neighbor. But I also, it was interesting when you did have your table at that elementary school, there was girls three and four deep, like picking up the severed limbs and touching the severed head. And, you know, so parents, if you're listening and you've got some daughters, encourage them to, to maybe explore uh, special effects because it seems like there's some job openings for strong, strong yeah, females. Totally. But um, but we have Steve here who's obviously um does a lot of outreach in the community. And do you hire like 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 Art Institute kids or you know where where do you kind of find the next up and coming crop? of special effects artists that, that I know you have working over there for you. Yeah, I, I don't do tons of recruitment. A lot of people are interested in special effects. And so um, it generally starts with an apprenticeship at my shop. So most people who have, all people who have worked at my shop, who currently work at my shop, showed up and said, I'm interested in special effects. I either, I just went to school for special effects or I always thought it would be cool or I'm 13 and I think this might be a cool job for me. Um, and I say, okay, well, if you want to come in and learn special effects, you can trade me your sweat for the knowledge and you'll ruin my materials and ruin my projects and I'll teach <laughs> you how to do this, but I'll make a couple bucks on the things that you do get successful. Um, and then eventually that, uh, you know, I have a number of managers that I work with that I cannot run my shop without, uh, Kyle Roberts is at the very top of that list. Mercedes link. Um, she runs all of squib effects, every squib that is made Mercedes makes. Um, and she is uh, multi-talented in a lot of different, uh, art forms. She's a great sculptor and painter and Devin Seaman, uh, who is, uh, sort of a technical genius. He does a lot of animatronics and he does a lot of our computer work and he's living, uh, he's one of these, uh, half in a virtual half in a, in a physical world, which is great because that's kind of, that allows us to utilize a lot of different tools. And Kyle, uh, you know, manages all the projects and he's our sculptor. So every sculpt, pretty much every single sculpture that comes out of my shop, Kyle has sculpted. Plus he's managing all these teams of people. So basically what happens is those three and I sit down and, uh, we say, okay, it's been whatever, three months, six months, this person's been an apprentice. Should we offer them a couple bucks for the work they're doing? And we're like, uh, I don't know, man. It's still looking a little hairy. Or they're like, yeah, dude. I mean, he he or she came through on this job and then they did this. And yeah, I mean, it's time. And then we'll start paying them. And not as an employee, but as a freelance contractor. So we'll bring you in like on the job. Um, And then I have some part-time 
uh, employee positions, and then the full-time positions are really reserved to those four that I just mentioned, plus uh, Nick Buck, who is basically the other half of me when it comes to organizing all of my all of my projects and keeping my head above water because we get a lot of emails and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I want to respond to all of it. You yeah, know? you don't always respond to emails, Steve. I know. I try. <laughs> I try. That's, that's one of the Call reasons I really. No, that's one of the reasons I've got Nick in place is that he goes back and reads all of the all of my emails that I haven't read. And he's like, "Hey, you got to call Bethany." Yeah, you know what I mean. Or like, yeah. that's, that's I literally I saw him at the PTA meeting. And I was like, "You, yeah, we're yeah, talking." I know. Um, so, so if it's happened to you, it's not personal. Yeah, it's not personal. It's not Steven, personal. Steve and Nick will get back to you eventually. Um, we will. So what? Uh, what is you're important? Yeah, to us. Uh, I want to make sure we <laughs> we leave enough time to talk about your big Halloween bash. But right. I, I I feel like I would be remiss if we didn't ask. Like, what is one of the favorite projects that you've done um, that really sticks out to you? And, and what I mean, you still have a huge amount of career ahead of you, but you've already done so much. What's one of your favorites? Uh, I would say that my very favorite was a movie that I produced in 2008 with Jeff Oltrowski called It Came From Yesterday, which you can buy on Amazon. <laughs> and um, we'll, put, we'll put a link in the podcast notes. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it came from yesterday. And it's, um, it's an awesome movie. Jeff is a brilliant screenwriter and director, and, uh, and he and I produced it together. And then, of course, he stars in it. So he's another one of these, you know, quintuple threat kind of dudes. And... Um, and it's a it's like a tongue in cheek kind of sky, sky captain of tomorrow meets Indiana Jones action adventure sort of creature comedy. Okay. Um, so we made uh, a bunch of cool monsters for it and did a lot, a lot of cool practical effects. But then we shot the entire movie uh, on a green screen, and so every environment in the movie is built in the computer. Uh, most of it, ninety eight percent of it, by me. And so uh, that was a movie where we had shot the entire movie. And then I learned how to use Maya, which is the program that you need to build CG environments. <laughs> and so, um, so Jeff, again, to his credit, he just understood like, so it started with, uh, him storyboarding it exactly the way he wanted the movie so that we had this Bible that as we shot the movie our we had two cameras and the camera uh, operators were able to just leaf through this book, know what the next shot was that mm -hmm. they were supposed to line up. Um, and then that also then served as a guide that once we were in a virtual environment, I was able to line up the shots as per the camera information that we had from the storyboards. Um, but most projects that I work on, I feel like I do, I, not to pontificate too much about this, but I feel like there's the art and there's the artwork. The mm -hmm. artwork is the final thing that you make and the art is the process of making it to me. That's my separation. Yeah. So the art for me is always the same process, um, which is to pour myself into it completely and uh, try to make the coolest thing that I can and love on everybody while I'm doing it and um, and have a and just to create bring something into the world that did not exist before. Then there's the artwork and that's what someone's paying me for. That's me showing up on set with the monster I made or whatever like that. And that uh, happens at varying levels of success. Sometimes we're super successful. Sometimes we're less successful than we would like to be. All the time we're ready to put our name on it. Um, and we're proud of what we've done. But when you start an artistic enterprise, you have a vision for it, you know, mm -hmm. and you know where you're going with it. And, and if you fall a little short of that, you're still like, man, you know what? That was still awesome. And the person, uh, was thrilled and gave us their, the balance for the job. And, and, but we came out of it, not feeling like it was quite the color red we wanted or something like that. Um, but it came from yesterday was the one time still in my career that I can say that at the end of it what we had produced was actually way cooler than what I thought we would ever be able to create given our limited resources and our limited knowledge in the type of film that we wanted to make. Um, so that at the end of it, you know, it was very fulfilling from an artistic standpoint because I felt the entire time, like Jeff and I in three years of production, not had one single fight, not oh, one, wow. 
Not wow. one. Wow. Yeah. There's Charlie, there's like nobody else on earth I can really say that about. You yeah. know what I mean? That's a great collaboration then. I'm telling you. Yeah. And then and then at the end of it, we were both looking at this thing saying, wow, man, look at what we made. And then we got it distributed, which also never happens. Thanks to Adrian Weir, who uh, is one of the best filmmakers in Pittsburgh. She did The Bread My Sweet, the first movie I ever worked on. And um, and she was instrumental in Panorama Entertainment, helping uh, us to secure them through distribution. So it it came from yesterday. It came from yesterday. We'll yeah. put we will we'll put a link in the in the podcast notes for people. Uh, and so speaking of creating something from nothing and having it create you know exist in the world, tell us about this Halloween bash that you have coming up because we're pretty darn excited about it. And I want to I want to make sure that everybody out there knows that it's going on. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's getting more and more exciting all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea is that we're going to have a block party uh, around our effect shop on Halloween mm-hmm. night, starting at six with trick or treating and stuff. Um, and the idea is that about a year ago, uh, the city, uh, uh, had called me and said, we are going to plan through the month of October next year, uh, Romero lives event. They didn't know what it was called yet. That was part of a a whole process that Mm -hmm. we went through, but they wanted to, uh, create a tribute to George Romero through the month of October. And they were reaching out to a number of companies and was there anything that we had already, that we were already planning or something that we thought would be cool that we could uh, honor George with. And we had already been thinking about a Halloween party, but it's always been internal. Like we had one last year and it's, you know, as external as it got is basically the fog rolling out of the door. You know, someone stepping outside <laughs> to have a cigarette. Like what's you know? happening over there? Yeah, exactly. Um, but so we thought maybe it would be cool to make the party bigger, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, so we started planning this block party. So at its root, the idea is that this part of Romero lives. Okay. Um, and you can learn more about Romero lives at romerolives.org. And it is being run, uh, primarily by Suze Romero and, um, Garf, which is the George A. Romero foundation. Okay. Um, and the city of Pittsburgh as an effort to create a tribute to George and just for us all to gain a deeper understanding of the art that he created and then left behind for us. And so, uh, so that's the center of our bash is that we're celebrating George Romero, which obviously means, uh, especially since we're in the film business means that we're celebrating film. So, uh, it is also a celebration of film in Pittsburgh. Um, and because we live in Beachview, a neighborhood that we're trying to make awesome. Um, I've lived here for 20 years and I have always seen a vision for Beachview that, uh, could be super cool. And, um, that is what it is, but cooler, you know, not necessarily like, uh, whatever Starbucks, Whole Foods kind of a thing. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with those kind of (laughs) neighborhoods, but I would like to live in a neighborhood that was, uh, you know, more of what I have lived around for the past 20 years, Mm -hmm. but with like monster shops and sweet podcast studios and, you know, and people like Atlas development who are really trying to make an effort to turn this neighborhood into a place where the people who are already here can continue to stay here Mm -hmm. and just be really proud of where they are. Instead of always saying, you never heard of Beachview? Yeah. We're like uh, the the best little place nobody's heard of. I'm telling you. When we were at that event, um, one of the women next to me, she's like, wow, with Holon FX there and the current right here and Sorgatron Media right there. So Beachview's turning into little Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I said, I will take that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. Like and it's that. not a gentrified. We're not like ripping anybody's houses down and building, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, luxury apartments. We're just trying to make it cool. Well, hopefully this event will bring people in. And I heard it's more than just film too. I mean, I have seen the city there walking out what I believe is going to be a wrestling ring. Is there yeah, truth okay. to this room? Yep. So we got all kinds of cool <laughs> events that we're doing. So here's how the here's how the schedule of, of cool stuff goes. Okay. Bring your kid by for trick-or-treating between 6 and 8 because they get to check out a cool monster shop. It's just part of their trick-or-treating as it is. Maybe it's 
on your way up to partake in the Halloween parade, which mm-hmm. is going to start, I think, at 8, mm-hmm. um, further up, uh, closer to Dormont. Mm-hmm. I think St. Catherine's. Yeah, it starts at Check the details on the parade. We're not 100% with the parade. But um, but we want to be in the parade, so that's gonna we're going to be participating in that. Um, but so swing through, have your kids, uh, you know, pin the pin on pinhead and, uh, Bob for apples in a, in a, in a, you know, big bucket of, uh, you know, baby doll parts Nice. and get your candy and whatever. They're too scared to come in. We got some candy outside too, whatever. And then, uh, and then we're going to do uh, sort of a proclamation of our own, uh, around eight o'clock and just, uh, tell everybody from the center stage of a giant wrestling ring that we're going to have at the corner of Realty and Coast and, uh, Broadway. Uh, what it is that we're doing here, thank, and we're going to unveil a statue of George Romero, a bus that uh, Kyle has been working on for the past couple months awesome. that Suze just came to the shop yesterday and gave us a couple notes on so that we can make sure that it's as George as we can possibly make it. And uh, and I don't think she's going to be able to make the that night, but she is going to uh, – we are going to have an unveiling of the statue. And then we got some other stuff. We got uh, Doug Bradley's going to be showing up and reading poetry uh, of Edgar Allan Poe as part of his Spine Chiller series, which is super cool. Doug Bradley's the man. And uh, and the Lucha Libre wrestling, which is different than Luchador wrestling. Just uh, do your homework, guys, and figure out what that means. Lucha Libre. Wait, another another link we can have in the, in the podcast. Yeah, because so. uh, Mike Aponte is organizing that for me. And uh, and the Beachview Brawl is what, uh, is what he kind of focuses on there. Uh, and he's Puerto Rican. That's the difference, just in case anybody wants. A little uh, uh, there, once there a tip is, yes, on yes. what the difference is. Um, yeah, so wrestling, and then it's going to be uh, we're going to have uh, only flesh is going to be doing like suspension artwork, and there's going to be tons of music Ooh. and tons of juggling and magic and all kinds of, and fire, food you know, also. food, oh, mad food trucks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and tents, art tent, uh, like vendor tents, and everything. If you're interested, if you're an artist and you're interested in having a tent and you got a tent, come set up here. I'm not charging anybody for it, I just want it to be awesome. A food truck, you guys got a food truck, you want to come set up your food truck. Um, you know, reach out to us, tollineffects.com. You can uh, find my phone number on there. Reach if, out if to you, us. If you email Steve and can't get a hold of him, email me. I'll walk over. I'll yeah, just email I, yeah I am. I am. Uh, I am reachable. <laughs> no, I'm you just, just sometimes Steve, it might have to be creative well, about you, how you do that. You know, I mean, your door's always open. I mean, it is always I, open. So you can just walk right in. People, I've seen if you people, didn't email me, come on in. Steve could have just walked across the street. Yeah. Well, because I've I've seen people walk by and kind of do a double take and then literally like pop like their heads in and and I've seen your staff go, come on in, look around, like it's fine. Yeah, because what we love about that is that we're in the thick of it and have somebody. Come in who has totally has never seen that stuff. Mm-hmm. It reminds us of why what we do is so cool. Because sometimes you're like, man, I can't get this little thing to work. I'm so frustrated with my job. But then you, somebody comes in and is like, whoa, you make monsters for a living. You're like, oh yeah, right. I make monsters for a living. I'll figure this thing out. Everything's gonna be great. It always is, you know. Um, and it's nice to be able to connect with the community that way. And Michael Ponte has also set up a barber shop in our studio, so you can go get your haircut with Mike. And that has extended our sense of community because we're plugging into all kinds of groups of people that were not coming into our shop before. A barber shop inside of a special effects shop. Yeah, sounds, in our... sounds like a movie plot. <laughs> yeah. It's in our makeup room. We're working on our Sweeney Todd decoration now. When people walk by and they come in your shop, do they ever, uh, just people off the street decide to critique your work and they're like, hey, you call that a werewolf? What is that? Uh, you know, I have never had that happen. I've had that happen where I've set up places yeah. before. Um, you know, where you got some smart ass who just wants to, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever, but that's cool. Art is subjective. Yeah. If uh face off taught me nothing else, it's that art is subjective. 
<laughs> we did have a from the chat room. Alex out there is asking uh, if you have a favorite haunted house. Do you frequent haunted houses around the town? You would think I would. You would think that I was the kind of person who was really into <laughs> horror and stuff, and I'm just not. Scare uh, obviously, scare house has got yeah. it going on. I mean, uh, Scott Simmons has got an operation. Unlike, it's not even just like the best uh, haunted house in Pittsburgh. It is the best haunted house for states around, as far as I know. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is coming to go through his haunted house. That's got to tell you something. You know, yeah, I think it was had, Martin Lawrence, right? They yeah, Martin Lawrence was there like a couple so weeks awesome. ago when I was there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Scott's super cool. And and you can tell, man, you can tell by his sweater that he's the same kind of person I'm talking about, which is somebody who is all about, you know, loving and creating. Yeah. And and that's why it has been so successful. I feel like he's probably doing it for the right reasons. But uh, I was involved with 100, 100 Acre Manor at one point um, when I worked for a company called Spectre Studios and hundred acre manor has a cool operation going on out there. They do a lot of work with animal friends, which is a really cool part of their haunted house. Um, but honestly for haunted houses, the coolest part is making one, you know? And I think Aaron, right? Aaron, uh, Parkus is, is doing some escape room kind of haunted house stuff. Um, he's a local artist that doesn't get enough attention. He does all kinds of cool, uh, he's one of the guys who works with me sometimes. Uh, he does all kinds of really cool fabrications and, uh, and he's speaking, a speaking great of Beachview, I, he, he's right downstairs he's right here. here and, yeah. uh, just walked in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he did. Nice. Everybody, awesome. you should move to Beachview. That's, that's where it's at. Yeah. Um, well, thank you again, Steve, for, for coming on and talk to us today. Really everybody Halloween. So what time do the festivities start? At six. At six. Till so, 11. Six to 11 Halloween night. Right. Turns into Burning Man at 830. So oh, okay. not kid friendly after like eight eight thirty. Okay, sounds like. I mean, my you house. bring your kid. It's just you know, I'm <laughs> not gonna tell you how to parent. <laughs> I'm just I'm, I will be judging you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's awesome, Steve. Thank you so much, Tolan FX. Uh, one final question. So this squib apparatus, this, your squib, mm -hmm. um, that, that could simulate somebody getting shot. Is that rentable? Like if you wanted to like extract revenge no, on your no, enemies? No, that was a horrible or, no. pain in my ass. We did rentals, and what happened is every one of them came back in a puddle of blood, broken. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> and happen. it just became this nightmare where it was like, you know, basically uh, it's of no value to me anymore. The security deposit can't possibly cover the cost of the thing. So the average person is not like 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 a, like your average Joe should not have access to a squib. This is professional equipment, but if you need it for a reason and you have a professional to run it. Yeah, it is more know. no, no, it's not like that. It's like anybody can use it. Uh like I literally have a YouTube video of my 4-year-old putting a squib on Kyle and shooting it. Oh, we'll put that in the podcast notes too. <laughs> yeah. So easy a 4-year-old can do it. You know, and so so really no, it's the idea is that it's accessible to anybody who has a couple of bucks. It's not a cheap thing, but you can reuse it thousands of times. So if you are if this is what you want to do mm -hmm. and you're making lots of movies where people get shot or you know a mm -hmm. horror movies or cuz you can, you know, we've done uh the, use the same equipment to make a clown get shot with a bunch of glitter that comes out of them. You know, the you know, you can the ground that's can cool. get shot that's and you and you, and you spray dirt. Shot. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we always thought, you know, but so it does a bunch of different stuff. So it's just, it's basically, it's a potato gun meets a squirt gun and any way that you can come up with to use it and you got a couple hundred bucks to drop on it, then, um, you should get one so basically, or two. Yeah. Or three or three. Is there a bulk discount? I'm just kidding. There so, is. Yeah, if, if anybody out there has any creative needs that they need filled, call Steve, him and his yeah, shop will, will definitely come up with a solution for you and make sure you check out his Halloween event. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to wrap up really fast. Hardy, did you have anything to add before I just give some people some places to maybe go this weekend? Just that uh, the new uh, issue six of the Pittsburgh Current comes out this coming Tuesday, and we are focusing on the Carnegie International. Yes. Uh, and you can find our Pittsburgh Current Art Noir Guide to Pittsburgh during, mm. the, uh, during the events of the Carnegie International. So make sure you pick that up. It's going to be a 
good issue as well as a large issue. So it's going to be a great, a great tons issue. Of, tons of art content coming out in this next issue. Yeah, lots of art. And if you're interested in to see what's going on, not just with the Carnegie International, but in and around the city in conjunction with it, make sure you pick up our next uh, issue. And then uh, a couple things about this weekend. Um, of course, Penn's at Play the Capitals tonight uh, for our opener. Um, I think they will be without, is, is it Wilson a Capital? The guy that just got suspended? Mike's like, I do not know hockey. Don't look at me. Um, uh, one thing I do know Mike likes that's happening on Friday is Insane Clown Posse is in town. Uh-oh. Speaking of clowns, <laughs> I wonder yeah, if they a... would emit glitter. They should, they should buy some squib. They should they buy should. a squib for their show. They actually show. saw Only Flesh uh, at the Gathering of the Juggalos. Oh, that's awesome. So, kinda yeah, Rev's cool dude. Yeah, Mike Sorgas like Mike, Mike Mike Media is a big uh, ICP. He was just at uh, the Gathering. Unfortunately, I'll be on town. But well, they will be here at the Rex on Friday. Um, worth a show. It, 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 it is a show. It, yeah. It's a really good show. It's a very sticky show. Uh, if you if you like the gar, the guar kind of thing, it's it's going to be a fun fun one for you. I wonder if they know to backlight their blood. I bet they do. Bet guar, they does. Do. guar does. Yeah. Guar does. I've um, watched with that in mind, and they definitely know. You're watching to say they better get this yeah. right. I'm calling them. Um, there's a wrestling event. Speaking of wrestling, Mike, I know you're also uh, big into the wrestling scene here. Um, mm. IWC has a wrestling event Saturday. And you said this that's in Elizabeth. That's in Elizabeth. It's going to be a big show. Um, they're having a few uh, uh, decent names, at least in the indie wrestling promotion. But also former WCW announcer Gary Michael Capetta is going to be there with his Beyond Body Slams. This was um, it was uh, I, I guess uh, it was in an improv uh, theater uh, last year. Uh, over in the East End, and they're going to be doing it before the show. It's kind of a separate show here. That's in Elizabeth at Court Time Sports Center. You can find information for that in the uh, Unbreakable 2018, which is going to involve, I think, a six-way ladder match uh, wow. over at yeah. IWCWrestling.com. And also, there's there's plenty of wrestling around, including our friends at Rise Wrestling down in Lamont Furnace at the Old Mall. It's really cool. They do wrestling in an old movie theater mm-hmm. uh, that they've kind of converted for their purposes, That's like cool. an old like Carmike theater down there. Um, and other products like uh, we have listings over at pittsburghwrestling.com if you want to check out that. Right. There is a ton of wrestling every weekend, all weekend. Now. And then yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna end with one that if you're of a certain age will excite you. Uh, the Bullet Boys are coming to Jurgles, the 80s band. The 80s oh, band, the, okay. the first concert I ever saw was Motley Crue and the Bullet Boys nice. at Melon Arena awesome. in like 80. <laughs> um, but they're, 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 the Bullet Boys are coming with Enough's Enough Wednesday to Jurgles, so bust out your Aquanet. Maybe make it a girls' night. Drink some Jolly Rancher laced Zimas and have a grand old time. So always. Do you mind if I mention also that uh, this weekend at the Biome is the remastered Night of the Living Dead? It's the first event of Romero Lives, and okay, uh, yes, and we're gonna, I'm going to be there. Oh. Uh, me and my wife Erica will be there, and Suze Romero will be there, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be uh, the first time in a long, long time that you've been able to see Night of the Living Dead, not as a grainy black and white, but as George had shot it. Cool. And I'm assuming wow. tickets are on sale, so I'll put the ticket yeah, link in exactly. there too. Yep. And then also Sweeney Todd opens this weekend at yeah, Lincoln Park exactly. in Midland. So, um, so I mean, October oh, is great also, for us. Uh, we, we have a show in Pittsburgh Festival of Firsts oh. um, uh, called The White Album. And so that is also opening this weekend. Now that I think about it, this is a big weekend. Like, are you, are you, Do you have a body double? You could probably just make one. Yeah, you... Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's Nick. <laughs> awesome. Well, lots to do. We'll make links in the podcast uh, notes so people can keep up. Check out his movie. It came from yesterday. Stop up at his shop. If you have any creative needs that need filled, Steve's your guy. If you want to talk gore, Steve's your guy. Um, yeah. You guys got a great thing going over there. Thank you for being a part of Beachview and, and for coming on today in general. I cannot wait for the Halloween event. Um, yeah, If you haven't picked up our issue five yet, pick it up today. We got our great Brian Messer Pens preview. Get y'all ready for the Capitol game tonight. 
um, go pens. And hey, Mike, I guess that's it. We'll we'll see. We'll see you in next week. Bye, guys. Bye. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.